chapter 5 is where we're going to begin tonight. When you find your places, if you'll stand tonight out of respect for the reading of God's Word, and if you cannot stand, that's fine. Don't, don't worry about that. But Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to read through uh, from verse 16 down through verse number 26, and then we're going to go into chapter 6 a little bit tonight. And um, in all seriousness, we're not going to be very long at all tonight, so... Uh, I think you're going to be be out of here in a very, very good time. So let's read a little bit. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Now I want you to look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1. Now we understand that when this Bible was put out, that um, we wouldn't have had all these uh, chapter headings and uh, the Bible I'm using tonight, I, I like the way this Bible's laid out, you know, and I have, I know I have chapter headings and verses, but I have different uh, breaks, you know, that tell me that different sections talk about different, different parts of the Bible, and we understand that that would not have been the case back in, uh, in the day when this was penned, would have been in a scroll, and uh, more than likely, Galatians chapter 5 and Galatians chapter 6 would have sort of been read together, and so he goes from Galatians chapter 5 verse 26 right into Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. And after talking about these spiritual things, he says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, which is what he's been talking about, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. You may be seated tonight. And right before I pray, let me ask you a question. Are you comfortable tonight? How many are too cool this evening? Too cool. All right. All right. And so, Mike, make sure Brother Rick addresses that. If you maybe just go up one, that'd be great. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to teach you a little bit tonight. Father, we love you, and thank you so much for the privilege to be here tonight. It really has been a good weekend. Even though yesterday was a funeral, and not really a funeral as much as a celebration of life, but Lord, we're so thankful for heaven. We've been reminded about heaven all this weekend. And then, Lord, it's been a, a banner day today. We just thank you and praise you for your goodness. Heavenly Father, we pray now that the Holy Spirit would do what only he can. God, we do understand this is where the arm of flesh will fail. And so, Lord, if we try to get up and do this in our own power and our own might, Lord, nothing's going to come out of this. And so, Spirit of God, we pray now that you might just let us serve as the conduit. And I pray, Spirit of God, that you would flow in us, through us, and to us. And I pray that, Lord, we would receive the truth of the Word of God. And I pray that 
a point or a truth or an illustration or something we give tonight, I pray would make a lasting impression upon our spiritual lives. And I pray we'd go home helped and encouraged, edified, better Christians than we were when we entered earlier tonight. So Lord, be with us now as we study your word. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to see if I can break this down for you a little bit. And we have, we've been in Galatians 5 now for a long, long time. I understand we've read that scripture right there a lot the last little bit. But that's okay, isn't it? That's okay. I mean, the Lord wants us to be there. And so it's been good. It's been good to, to just camp out and to really study that out. And I want to see if I can, uh, I, I want to see if the Lord will use me tonight to try to sort of unpack this for you just a little bit uh, concerning Galatians chapter 5 and Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 5 is, the, is what I'm going to call the fruit of the Spirit illuminated. Now, again, get the word there. Galatians chapter 5 is the fruit of the Spirit illuminated. And the word illuminated just simply means to be made clear. And that's what Galatians chapter 5 does. It makes the fruit of the Spirit, it makes it clear. Now you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, several things. Number one, in Galatians chapter 5, we see what the fruit is. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So there we go. We, we, we see that it's being made clear. We see what the fruit is. Not only that, but we see where the fruit comes from. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16. The Bible says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's where the spirit, the, the fruit of the Spirit comes from, uh, from us walking in the Spirit. So we see what the fruit is. We see where the fruit comes from. And then we see what happens if we don't have the fruit of the Spirit. Look at Galatians 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, <clears throat> idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And one of the things that we learn there is that when we, uh, when we live in the flesh and we walk in the flesh, it complicates life. 17, 17 works of the flesh there and uh, just complicated. I mean, it's just, it just, when you, when you live a life that cultivates the flesh, it complicates your life. It's not a life of peace. It's not a life of contentment. It's not a life of being settled. It's just complicated and it's messy. And that's why your friends and your coworkers come in on Monday morning uh, with their lip dragging and they come in talking about their hangovers and they come in talking about their problems and uh, because the works of the flesh complicate, it, they complicate life. And so Galatians chapter five is the fruit of the spirit illuminated. But that brings us to Galatians chapter six. Galatians chapter six is the fruit of the spirit illustrated. So chapter five is the fruit of the spirit illuminated, made clear, but Galatians chapter six is the fruit of the spirit illustrated. In other words, it illustrates what life will look like if we walk in the spirit. Now, we're not gonna get far, very far into that tonight, but we'll at, least, we'll at least begin. Have you ever done this? Have you ever watched, have you ever watched a talented artist painting a picture and they've got their canvas and they've got their brushes and their paints and they 
and they begin to they, they begin to paint this picture. And for those of us who don't know much about that, like Miss Letty and Miss Harriet and some of these uh, artists in our church, <clears throat> sometimes you look at that as they begin to paint that picture, and you're thinking, "Man, what is that? That's confusing." And, and they might even say, oh, this is a tree. And you're thinking, that doesn't look like any kind of tree I've ever seen. And, uh, but in their mind, it is a tree. And uh, little by little by little, man, as they paint and they add a little paint here and they add a little paint there, uh, all, of a seed, all of a sudden you begin to see a beautiful tree, maybe a cedar tree, or maybe there's a lake in the background, or maybe there's a beautiful snow-capped mountain. And you're thinking, wow, I, I didn't see that. But the more they paint, the more sense the painting begins to make. That is exactly what's going on in the book of Galatians. In, in, in much the same way, the Holy Spirit offers us a life-changing truth in Galatians chapter 5 and then illustrates what our life will look like with that truth administered in Galatians chapter number 6. And so Galatians 5 is the canvas. Galatians 6 is the painting. After the Lord has painted something beautiful, and we look back and we say, okay, yeah, I get it now, Lord. That makes sense. And, uh, and so I want to answer this tonight. What type of evidence is going to be in, in somebody's life when they're truly walking in the Spirit? If somebody is bearing the fruit of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, what are some evidences that are going to be in their life. Well, let me give you three, and we're, we're going to be on our way to the house tonight. How about this? Number one, there'll, there'll be evidence of spiritual restoration. Now, watch as the Lord, as he paints the picture here. Look at Galatians 6, verse 1. Now, don't forget, Galatians chapter 5, he's been talking about spiritual things, spiritual things, walking in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. He's been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And then Galatians chapter 6, he says in verse 1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, which is what he's been talking about, ye which are spiritual, look at the next word, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. So what type of evidence is going to be manifested in the life of a Christian who's walking in the Spirit? Number one, spiritual restoration. The Spirit-filled Christian will be involved in the ministry of restoration. It's the Greek word, let me get this right, katartizo. And it means to repair or to mend. In other words, somebody that's really walking in the Spirit, somebody that's filled with the Spirit of God and bearing the fruit of the Spirit is going to be involved in the ministry of restoration. It's going to be something that's present in their life. Now, you say, Pastor, what, what are you trying to say? Listen to this. Anytime you see somebody who is constantly tearing other people apart, and then they try to tell you they are spirit-filled. Let me tell you something. That is anti-Bible. So somebody that is constantly criticizing, constantly tearing people apart, uh, that, that person that is always critical of others, those folks that are always searching for mistakes, always looking for faults in Christians or the pastor or the teacher or the choir or uh, the deacons or whoever it may be. They're constantly looking for things that they can criticize and then they want to come across as they are filled with the Spirit. I beg to differ. Brother, if you are walking in the Spirit, there is going to be that ministry of restoration that is present in your life. You are not only not going to tear people down, you're going to be trying to mend people. 
and repair people and build people up. So this is a sad illustration, but it's true. I know recently, I was just, uh, and I thought this just fit here. Recently, the church where my wife and I attended Bible college had some problems. Now, I'm gonna tell you something here. In the last few years, man, they got a good pastor. They do. I've met him, been around him. He's one of the most humble. He's one of the most humble guys you'd ever want to meet in your life. And just, he is, he is absolutely the real deal. Uh, but recently, the church has had a little bit of a hard go, and, and uh, somebody in the church got into some, uh, got into some, uh, some problems legally, and I didn't even know about it. And I just happened to come across this by accident on the internet. And I noticed that there were some supposed Christian websites that were not only critical of this church, but even gloating over the fact that this church was having problems. And then those same, quote, Christian websites try to come across as spiritual. Now, I'm going to tell you something, church. That is... uh, that's a bunch of junk. That's what that is. That is not spiritual. Uh, that is not evidence of spiritfulness. Listen to Proverbs 24, 17. The Bible says, rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth, lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turneth away his wrath from him. This is all I'm saying, that if you are filled with the Spirit of God, and walking in the Spirit, and bearing the fruit of the Spirit, you know what you're going to do? You're going to want to restore people. You're going to want to build people. You're going to want to mend people. When people walk into this church and they're broken down, you're not going to knock them down further. You're not going to say, well, you know, come on in, center, and I'll tell you what you do. Sit back there, way back there in the corner, and I I guess we'll let you come in with all of us spiritual people. And we sort of brush them off and knock them down and, and act like they're, you know, act like they're the scum of the earth. Let me tell you something. That is not spiritfulness. That is not spirit fullness. If you are really walking in the spirit, filled with the spirit of God, and you get around broken people, you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna try to build them up. Yes. Now, I'm not saying you're gonna condone their sin, and I'm not saying you're gonna accept their sin. I'm not saying that at all, but I am saying this. You're gonna do your best to pick them up and dust them off and point them to Jesus and try to rebuild their life and get them back in church and get them back in the Bible and get them back serving the Lord again. Can I have a big amen right there? Amen. Listen, church, there is not a doubt about it that God's people are called to a ministry of restoration and edification. Listen to these verses. Romans chapter 15, verse two. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. 1 Corinthians 14, 12, even so ye, for much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Ephesians chapter four, verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You'll find that word over and over and over and over again in your New Testament. And that word edifying just simply means building up, building up, building up. Building up. Hey, listen, don't don't walk around tearing people from limb to limb and then want people to believe that you are filled with the Spirit of God. It ain't true. Not true. 
Because if you're walking in the Spirit of God and God is bearing his fruit in your life, listen, one of the things that's going to happen is you're going to be involved in the ministry of restoration. And so what's some evidence, Pastor, of someone who is really walking in the Spirit? Number one, the evidence of spiritual restoration. How about this? Number two, quickly. The evidence of spiritual realization. Now, what do you mean? Well, look at Galatians chapter 6 again, verse 1. The Bible says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, walking in the Spirit, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, that's what he's talking about. Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one, here it is, in the spirit of meekness, look at the next word, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Did you know the spirit-filled child of God realizes it could be them that stumbled? Now, people fall. I wish it weren't so, but it's true. People stumble. And, I, that, and, that's, and that, by the way, that's why you ought to be here Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. That's why you ought to be here uh, for revivals and conferences and, and just go ahead and commit your life. Just make this your life. Just, just commit your life to church and, and, to, and to the Lord. And Dr. Lee Robertson used to say, three to thrive, three to thrive, three to thrive. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And that's why you ought to read your Bible every day. That's why you ought to pray every day so you don't stumble, so you don't fall. But it, it, but it happens. But when it happens, the spirit-filled Christian realizes something that I am not above that. And so we don't look down our fair circle nose at people that have fallen and say, man, I can't believe you did that. Hey, be careful. Because it could be you. But by the grace of God, it could be us that falls. It could be us that the devil gets all messed up. Oh, man, I'm telling you, church, and I'm, I may mention this this morning, but I'm telling you, when I, when I hear a preacher brethren fall, I'm telling you, I not only don't gloat, and, uh, and I'm not getting on that bandwagon that writes periodicals and, and magazines against them. I'm telling you what, when I see a, a, a brother fall, I step back and say, oh God, oh God, don't let it happen to me. Because I understand something. Man, I'm not above that. Hey, let's just go ahead and be honest. We're all sinners. We're all made out of the same, the same stuff. Every one of us are. And just like we talked about this morning, if we don't crucify the flesh with the affections and lust, man, and that flesh rises up, I'm telling you, it'll make us stumble, amen. It'll make us stumble. But that evidence, the evidence of a spirit-filled Christian will be the evidence of spiritual restoration, the evidence of spiritual realization. Now, let me show you a great example of that tonight, if I could. Turn over to, turn over to Luke chapter 10. And I know there's other applications that you can, you can apply in this story, but man, I got to thinking about, I just couldn't help but think about the Good Samaritan. And I think the Good Samaritan would be a type of the Spirit-filled child of God, walking in the Spirit, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Luke chapter 10 in your Bibles, and look at verse number 30. We're gonna go right back to Galatians 6, and we're almost done. But Luke chapter 10, verse number 30, the Bible says, and Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now look at verse 31, the Bible says, and by chance, there came down a certain priest. Now here's the religious, here, here's the religious people. 
And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite. Well, now, he wasn't a priest, but he was involved in the religious ceremony. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Brother, I believe, I really do. I believe that is a type, that's a picture of the Christian that's walking in the spirit, bearing the fruit of the spirit. Listen, we're, gonna, we're, we're not gonna pass by people. We're not gonna snub our nose at people that have met up that have fallen. Oh, listen, may this always be a spiritual hospital at Calvary Baptist Church where the sick can come and where the, where the fallen and the broken can come. And you know, you know, you know what's so great about Calvary is that when broken people come here, although we can't fix them, we can point them to the potter who can. And thank God, people who walk in here have a marred vessel. Boy, hallelujah, we have a message. And we can say to them, listen, there's not much I can do for you, but I'll tell you what I can do. Man, I can point you to Jesus. And uh, if you've got a broken vessel, he can put you back on the wheel and, and he can put that vessel back together again. And he can do what the world can't do and what Alcoholics Anonymous can't do and, and what others can't do. And so, boy, thank God for that. that. That evidence will be spiritual restoration. That evidence will be spiritual realization. Let me give you one last thought. How about this? Number three, there'll be the evidence of spiritual responsibility. Now look back at Galatians 6 and we're done. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Look at this very carefully. Paul says, brethren, if a man be over in a, overtaken in a fall, look at this next line. He says, ye which are spiritual. Ye which are spiritual, restore. That word spiritual is the Greek word pneumaticus. And it means ye which are non-carnal, ye which are regenerated. The spirit-filled Christian understands that before they can help other people, they need to make sure their life is right. Not better, but right. Listen, before you can help somebody get off drugs, you need to get off of them. And you need to get victory in that area. And so we see a spiritual responsibility. Well, I'm gonna try to help this guy get right, but I'm still wrong. Oh, no. No, if you're walking in the Spirit and bearing the fruit of the Spirit, you notice you have a responsibility, and your responsibility, responsibility is to say, hey, I gotta get myself right. And once I get myself right, I can help some others get right. If you've ever flown, you've heard the stewardesses make this little speech many, many times. They'll say something like this. In the event that the cabin loses pressure, an oxygen mask will be discharged above you. And then they'll say this, the bag may not inflate, but oxygen is still flowing. And then they will say, if you have small children, fix your mask first. And then put the mask on your child. In other words, take care of yourself. Make sure you're right. And when you're right, then you can work on your child. Hey, you know what? That's good advice for the child of God. 
If we're gonna, if we're gonna help people and encourage people and restore people, you know what, church? We gotta make sure we're right with God. Right. Now, that, and again, I'm done. But the canvas of our life is to be an illustration of, of a spirit-filled child of God. So Galatians chapter five is that illumination. Galatians chapter six is that illustration of what it looks like when we're filled with the spirit of God. I read an interesting story. Leonardo da Vinci painted what has now become one of the most famous paintings in the world. It's called The Last Supper. It is uh, housed at the National Gallery of Art in Washington, Washington D.C., and that painting is worth $450 million. Listen to this. When Leonardo da Vinci was painting his masterpiece, The Last Supper, he selected as the person to model for the character of Christ a young man, Petri Bandinelli. That's the young man that he used when he was trying to depict what Christ would look like. They said that years passed before the great picture was completed and da Vinci had one more character to paint and it was that of Judas Iscariot. So the great painter went out and began to search for a model that could, could stand in for Judas Iscariot. He searched the streets of Rome, they said, and finally, finally, he found a man with shoulders bent toward the ground, having a cold expression, a hardened expression, a man that looked evil. That man seemed to afford the opportunities of a, of a, of, of a man that would truly be a good concept of Judas Iscariot. And so sure enough, Leonardo da Vinci signed this man up. This, by the way, this was 25 years later when he started the painting. The man came in, the man that was gonna be the model for Judas Iscariot. And he was looking around the studio there where Leonardo da Vinci would paint. And they said that he began to look around as if recalling incidents of years gone by, you could see remorse and regret on his face. And I guess Leonardo da Vinci said, sir, is there a problem? And this man said this with a very sad look, maestro, I was in this same studio 25 years ago. I'm the same man who modeled Christ. The picture got all messed up. Now, church, here's what, here's what I'm saying. Galatians chapter five tells us what the fruit of the spirit is, what it, what it means to, to walk in the spirit, live in the spirit. Galatians chapter six begins to illustrate what it looks like. If we're walking in the spirit of God, living in the spirit, you know what's gonna happen? People are gonna see Jesus Christ in our life, in our talk, in our thoughts, in our actions, in our mannerisms. And by the way, I believe that's why folks are coming to Calvary. Because they're seeing some Jesus here. May it always be that way. May it always be that way. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, we love you. And thank you for this time that we've had together today. And God, thank you for this very simple, very simple message tonight. God, help us to make sure that our life, our canvas, is a depiction of Jesus. Father, when the world looks at me, what do they see? Do they see hope? Do they see love? Do they see Christ in me? When the world looks at me, what do they see? 
Oh, God, I pray as we go to work tomorrow. God, as we get on the school bus. Lord, as we make our way into the college class or the plant or the office. Father, I pray that our coworkers will look at us and I pray that they'll see Jesus. Lord, I pray our family members as we are with our family. God, I pray our kids will look at us and I pray they'll see Christ. Lord, as we minister week to week, whether it's up here at the public school or the nursing home or a van route or whatever it may be, God, when people look at us, help them to see Jesus. God, when folks come to this church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, oh God, I pray that the canvas of our life would show them Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you'd have your way in this invitation tonight. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And we're gonna bring this to a, a close tonight. But real quickly before we go, is there one here anywhere tonight would say, Brother Pope, if I died, if I died tonight, preacher, I don't know for sure that I would go to heaven. Pastor, if I died, if I had a heart attack right there in my seat and went, and, and went out into eternity in the next five seconds, preacher, I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there one like that anywhere tonight and I can, that you'd let me pray for you? Anybody at all, you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, remember me. If I died, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you pray for me? I see that little hand. Is there anybody else? Preacher, pray for me. Not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm saved. All right? Let me ask you this. Is the canvas of your life, is it showing people Jesus? When you go to work tomorrow and they listen to you talk and they see your actions, do they think about Christ? Hey, teenagers, when you go to school tomorrow, when you go to school tomorrow, you're, 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 the kids that go to school with you, when they look at your life, they hear your talk, and they see your actions and what you do and what you don't do, do they see Jesus Christ? Do they feel that you're walking in the Spirit? Do they, do they see the Lord? I want you to stand with us tonight, if you will, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And Brother Abel's playing tonight. Listen, if you need to come, the altar's open this evening. And uh, if you need prayer, we'll be glad to pray with you tonight. But just for a moment, we're going to pause. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I want you to come. I want you to come. Or preacher, I am saved, but I need to rededicate my life to Jesus Christ. I need to. I want you to come. Pastor, I've been saved, but I've never been scripturally baptized. I need to be baptized. I want you to come. Pastor, we... We're really thinking seriously about joining with this local body, Calvary Baptist Church. God's been dealing with our heart about that. Hey, listen, whatever it is, if you need to come, the altars are open. Just for a moment, I'm going to make my way to the main floor. And if we can pray with you or help you, we'll be here. If I get busy, we've got some other folks that will help you tonight. And so while we pause, you come tonight.